Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is episode 105 on January 26, 2022. My name is Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How are you, Tyler? <laughs> Your cat's got a lot to say. I know, she is talkative <laughs> She's talking to the mic. Come here, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I am good. That is great. What have you been up to? Just today or like in general? How about with life? <laughs> um, not a lot new to be honest. Uh, no new, no new movies or anything. Just sort of been watching, keep watching a bunch of miniseries, making progress. Uh, I keep the one I keep procrastinating on. I really need to go and finish Arcane. I only have two episodes left. I should finish that up this weekend. So I talk about it next week. Are you gonna finish your goal of finishing Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I feel you fell off that too. Yeah, I was what five five days left in the month, and I only got. Fortune. Yeah, I could do it. You um, could, but there's yeah. other things you will do first. <laughs> I only got four chapters left. Maybe I can finish it this weekend. That is good. But really, there's only one day of football this weekend. Yes, that's so. true. So we we have time this weekend. <laughs> Last weekend was like literally all football all the time. Yep. So this weekend's like okay, we only have to devote half of one day to it. How about you? What have you been up to? Mm, nothing as usual. <laughs> Well, I don't know. You did watch a season oh, of... I'm going to make you talk about it. Uh, you watched a season of something on Netflix the other I day. Did. Yeah. I did. I did say at the beginning of the year that I was going to do this thing where I actually took people's recommendations and listened to them. <laughs> so I decided to take someone's recommendation uh, that I've been told a bazillion times to watch. And I finally did. I watched uh, Shit's Creek. And I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I wanted to do it for research. Uh, so yeah, I I think I did my due diligence by watching the whole first season. I I binged over two days. I'm not gonna lie, and uh, I just don't think it's for me. I guess my nice way of of, of putting that. <laughs> but I'll, but I'll say this too: you you have a very subjective sense of humor. Define. Like you do not like ninety percent of things that I think are funny. <laughs> I do not like ninety percent of what most people think are funny. Right. So your type of humor is I don't even know what you what you really would. <laughs> What is Sarah humor? <laughs> what do I find funny? I find Teen Titans funny. I find Simpsons. I find South Park funny. I find Arrested Development. Kenny versus Spenny. Um, I like all those things. Those things are like my funny shows. Yeah, there's just not a lot of connections in those shows. There isn't. Like, I'm kind of sporadic. All yeah. Um, but I, uh, I think Shit's Creek is a comedy. <laughs> I think it is. And I I was telling Tyler, I feel like I need to watch somebody watch the show to tell me when the funny parts are cuz I I I wasn't quite sure. What I would I would sum up the show as a comedy of errors. Like it's just one family that's like going dis- through a lot. Yeah, it's like a dysfunctional family thing, which I guess you could also say is kind of like a rest of development, but it's a very different yes. tone of comedy in the show, right? Yeah. Like I I I didn't enjoy any of the characters. Like I I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't cling to any of them as somebody that's like, okay, worth keep watching for. Like after I was done the first season last night, I was like, it's coming off my Netflix list. I'm done. I'm not, I have no will to go back to this. So yeah, I, I tried. Where see, like, it's funny. Like you say, like, you know, I like Rick and Morty, obviously. And I, and I, because of that, I started watching another show called mm. Solar Opposites. Yes. And you love that. I do. And now there's another show that it's, it's not directly affiliated with any of the Rick and Morty or Solar Opposites people, but when I saw it on Netflix last week, there's a description that just said it's like Rick and Morty meets the X Files. 
That sounds wonderful. So for I started you. watching. So it's, there's a new show I'm watching on Netflix called it's called Inside Job. Okay, it's an animated show. Um, I think it came out only in like, a couple years ago, like late 2020. So it's fa- like, it's still a fairly recent show. I never heard of it before, but uh, I looked up the voice cast. I'm like, okay, there's some good voice actors in there, and it's only like you know, ten half hour episodes. So I thought it's all right. I'm about three episodes in so far, and I think it's pretty funny. It's yeah, it is definitely um, probably because it's on Netflix and it's not like on cable or anything. Uh, like they don't have to beep out the swears in uh, this. Like whereas Rick, Rick, Rick and Morty will beep them out on TV, but then when they release uh, them, they can usually uncensor them. Yep, but yep, yep. they usually are do they do come with the default uh, curse filter. <laughs> but this show doesn't. Um, yeah, it's pretty good though. I like it. It's um, yeah. How many shows are you in the middle of? Too many. <laughs> oh God! Just just putting that out there. <laughs> but no, I'm not. Well, I'm not watching shows that have like you know huge dramatic arcs. You know what I mean? Like it's no, a lot that, of small well, half hour shows. The one just... you are watching with dramatic arc, you've watched a lot of it before. What Archer? Or you... No, I would say Person of Interest. Oh yeah, but I, it's been so long, I don't really remember that much. Oh, of it. like I can, watching... I can remember season one pretty well. Yeah. But once you start getting into season two, then yes, like I kind same. of vaguely remember. Because what? Like yeah. this watching it with you the other couple episodes yeah. i'm like wow i remember all of this but i think once you get into season two and you get that new girl i'm just like i'm gone yeah uh i wanted to ask if you um did you want to talk about your playstation wrapped yeah the numbers are funny because i didn't write them down um i do i have it on a list so do you want to explain playstation wrapped is that what it's called wrapped yes it is okay. everything's called wrapped if that's any of the years just what it is that was like wrap up or something nope. but wrapped um right so well, they've been doing this for how many years now? A few years PlayStation's been doing oh, this? I would say a few, yeah. I feel like I've had this email a few years. So usually in January, PlayStation will um, send you like an email or like a reminder to log in and check out this, like a, a collection of data that they've amassed uh, based on your play history over the past year. You know, the types of games you've played, how many hours you've played them for. I, actually, it's funny because the thing about it now, I think I remember in past years, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it broke down certain stats differently. Like it would break down which days of the month you played on more and like which hours you played. I think I, they used to when they, yeah, they shoved all that. the Ratchet and Clank and Returnal stuff in it this year right. and took away a so lot of the stuff. there's a few less stats that I thought were interesting. But I mean, the biggest thing I was concerned about was what's my total number of hours played on PlayStation <laughs> in 2021 and what are my top three games? I mean, we knew my top two where I was yes. third was kind of a mystery. Um yeah, and I'll say when I heard the numbers, I was not shocked. <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, that sounds about right. But I was very curious on what the time split would be between Apex mm, Legends and MLB The Show okay. 21. So, we'll get to that. We'll so anyways, to what that. was my total hour count? Okay, I'm going to go by me first and then you for oh, comparison. Okay, sure. Just oh, to be to like... make me sound worse? Yes, okay. 100%. Yeah, great. So, um, so on just PlayStation alone, like this is just PS4, PS5 alone, mm-hmm. I played uh, 325 hours total of PlayStation. So it's not even an hour a day. No. You average it over a year. No, yeah. no, I did, I did, I did. But <laughs> if you go, to, so if you much. no, <laughs> maybe. But I, if you look at my top five games, like none of them are over fifty hours. Like mm. I beat, I beat the top five games actually on my list, but they're all between uh like forty to to thirty hour, thirty to forty hours. So it's pretty good. I beat, I beat my top five games, and I'm proud of that. Um, but yeah, so I had three hundred twenty five over the hours over the whole year tyler had 1254 so it's almost four times your <laughs> almost yeah. yes right. um so rookie, rookie numbers i gotta yes, bump it up this year numbers, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um the, okay so then they also broke down the total numbers of days you logged into your playstation right i logged in 125 days mm-hmm. tyler logged in 354 
I must have been passed out those other 11 days. I know. You must have gone to bed early. You had an old man day or something <laughs> yeah. in there. Um, and then the last stat we will break down for Tyler, er, his top two games were obviously Apex mm-hmm. and MLB. Do you want to share what your top, um, your number three was? Yeah, honestly, I don't remember what it was. Oh, no, I do remember now. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Well, so why don't you say the hours first? Okay, what was sure. the hour count for Apex? So Apex Legends had mm-hmm. 458 hours. Do you think, as a listener, if MLB the show 21 had more or less it was more it's 539 it's and what that much more it's, no, it's it's much, no it's like a but, 55 but mm-hmm. if you tell people your third game oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so his third place game was mlb the show 20 and that was like another 120 hours and that was pretty much from like january to march yeah 2020 so really you're saying. looking at like over 650 hours of just baseball so then it does kind of eclipse apex yeah, excuse it a bit i guess <laughs> yeah um but yeah that was uh i but somehow i earned more trophies than you so well, well, you're just inefficient what well, doesn't no, inefficient is that the word it shouldn't surprise you though because again i'd already earned all the apex legend apex legend trophies yeah. before last year so there's nothing to earn there and then will be the show 21 i think there was only like I don't know, 20 trophies I earned in that game. So, yeah, if I'm playing those two games, I'm not really earning any trophies. No. So, yeah. But, yes, that is our wrapped. And Tyler is determined to now log in every day this year because he is sad that he missed out on like this. Well, I'm kind of worried I've already missed a day this month. I can't remember. Wow. Well, I'll have to wait until next year to find out. It's not a leap year, is it? Not this year, oh, no. Okay. No. You need to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's... he's, he's He's going to try and beat these numbers, so we shall see. We'll come back to this in a year. But now, would you like to move into the email? Yes, it is a long one. I'm oh. very happy. About our, our last week's topic about sports games. So the email is from Daniel, and he says, Hey guys, there have been a few franchises that I have been pulled, I have been pulled towards over the years. The first being NHL. Um, he says, I started playing with NHL 94, and that progressed into my... PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4, and will be in my PS5 future, I am sure. (laughs) Uh, But recently, uh, it has been playing online in a club that has really grabbed me. We have a team of five guys that play together, and it's a lot of fun. Next would be Madden. Uh, For me, it's something I played a lot of when I was younger, doing a franchise mode. But over the last couple of years, there are other things that I'm gravitating towards, uh, more keeping me away from it. I own one now so i might pick it up the odd time just to play a game lastly are golf games i don't know why but they are a fun way to burn a couple hours and the beauty of these games is that the menu and quote filler is usually minimal (laughs) i am picking up 2k 21 golf and it's fun in two hours i can usually bang out about four rounds or an event and the menus are typically typically uh just you know if you want to change your player's appearance or like sign new sponsorship Mm -hmm. so it's it's more about the gameplay than all the little you know, minutiae that goes into that. And then he says, I have one more honorable mention I will throw. That is NCAA football. I love these games. He says, Tyler, you mentioned how much of a slog it can be with the recruiting, but that is why I am very excited for it to return in 2023. (laughs) I will be pre-ordering for sure. One thing I am excited for will be how they incorporate NIL deals and if you can use them to your advantage when recruiting. Insert Jackson State joke here. (laughs) (laughs) The inside joke, so everyone get that, but I get it. Uh, He says, keep up the good work. So we appreciate your email, Dan. Thank Thank you you. very much. I knew you'd have something to contribute to the sports game discussion. Did you want to tell the listeners about your escapades last week, the day after we recorded our podcast? My escapades? Yeah. What are we referring to here? You went to to the used video game store. Oh, that's right. Yes. So I (laughs) went to our local... I'm pretty sure I mentioned on here before. It's called called NEX. Yeah. 
I just wanted to see if they had any like old sports games kicking around, you know, like any of the old, uh, well, like I said, college football or uh, some of the 2K games, stuff like that. So they had a uh, they had a couple of things that were interesting that I picked up. Um, I only brought a little bit of cash with me. I wasn't intending to spend tons, although it's ironic because there was a copy of, uh, shoot, what was it? I think it was NCAA Football 14. They had a copy of it for Xbox 360 on their back wall. And I looked at that to kind of squint to read the price tag because my eyes aren't that good anymore. Unless we all the Apex. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, there's, there's only a, a used, obviously, a copy of uh, NCAA Football 14 on the Xbox 360 for $149.99. Oof. <laughs> Oof. And it was almost nothing to buy just for the collection aspect. I'm like, that thing must be rare for selling it. If we had a working 360, that'd be good. We don't have anything that plays discs anymore for Xbox. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But like I said, I did pick up a few things there. I picked up uh, MVP Baseball 2005. For the GameCube. Fantastic. For the GameCube. Had to yeah. relinquish my GameCube. Uh-huh. And then I got... Uh, this one's actually kind of funny. I bought what I thought was NBA 2K15 <laughs> on the PS3. Like it, it was, you know, the, the, the box that I bought, the, the used copy, it said NBA 2K15. It was Kevin Durant on the cover. I get home and open up the the uh the game case and i'm like oh it's nba 2k 11 in here and that's how michael jordan on it so i was like okay well i mean i don't really care i'm not gonna bring it back to the guy and say hey i got the wrong game in here because i was just looking for an old basketball game to play i didn't really it's not like i really wanted 2k 15 i just bought it because that was the only one they had mm. i ended up getting 2k 11 instead which maybe was better i don't know i, I googled it afterwards yeah. on the metacritic okay do you know guess what okay guess what the 2015 metacritic is well, those games are usually pretty good so i'll say it's like 75 or something it was 87 Okay. Now guess what 2K11 is? Uh, 81? 89. That was better. Yeah. Okay. Marginally better, <laughs> but still. Okay. Well, that's supposedly. Good. All right. Well, that's good. And then the other one that I'm actually very intrigued about, though, because they had a sealed copy of uh, World Series Baseball 2K1 for the Sega Dreamcast, mm-hmm. which I never played. I mentioned I played the other Dreamcast. Like I played NFL and NBA on the, the 2K games on Dreamcast. I never played Baseball Dreamcast before. Um. See the- it, was, it was only 20 bucks, so I'm like, that's pretty, mm-hmm. I'll take a chance on that. You yeah, know? I haven't hooked that one up yet. But. No, we will, though. Get the VMU going. Yes. But yes, that was interesting. Just- it was a costly podcast last week. <laughs> oh, $40. <laughs> oh, <not> bad. <sighs> so, shall we get into the topic of the week, I guess? You go right ahead. I'm following my schedule so far, because since the new year has started, I have gone movies, video games, and sports. So now we are cycling back to movie discussion. I'm trying to keep that schedule consistent so that if, unfortunately, if some listeners don't like video games or sports, let's say, they can kind of just skip over that week or skip ahead to certain parts of the discussion. But, you know, I know last year was, I think, very heavily movie-centric. Um, you're a movie-centric kind of guy. I am, but I still like And you're going to need it things. when... Uh, it forces me to cope with other topics when I get to about That's true. Other... But if baseball doesn't exist this year, you're going to need something to talk Oof. about. Yeah, that's going to be rough. <laughs> but um, so I have a list here of 10 films. This is not organized or, or ranked. I, was, I didn't even organize this alphabetically or anything. I just sort of like made up a list off the top of my head of movies that are... I had planned to come up with a better title for this before I came on the podcast tonight, but I unfortunately <laughs> forgot. So you were playing to Apex. Let's be honest. I know, <laughs> but I sort of just titled this note uh, like ten polarizing films, and by that, what I mean is I didn't really mean to structure it like uh, I'm not talking. Well, it's ironic because most of the films on this list I think are around fifty, sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like they're movies that are like hovering around that 
with a couple of exceptions on this list, movies that are kind of hovering around that okay mark. Like either some people really like it or some people really hate it. Okay. But I'm also thinking about it outside of the critical aspect, just more like word of mouth. Like if you're talking to someone, you mention one of these titles and they'll be like, Ugh. you know, you could, you could have five, you could have six people in a room, let's say, and three people could be like, yeah, I love that movie. And the other three would be like, oh, I hate that movie. You know, right. so these are movies that so are very like a, a public devi- opinion? divisive, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah, in the world of public opinion. Like some of these movies were really well received when they came out, but over time have not been. Oh, shifted. Okay. The, the, yeah, the, the momentum has shifted. And not because I didn't pick movies on this list that are like, I mean, when I say that they they fell out of favor, I don't mean they fell out of favor. Like I didn't have any comedies on this list. It's not, it has nothing to do with okay. like. Like it got the state, it got stale. And like the yeah, I'm not, talking about, I'm not saying like these jokes aren't you know politically correct anymore. Right. Or like, you know, this yeah. topic is, you know, taboo. You can't talk yeah. about that. These are just more about movies. Most of these movies are action or dramas that are just, yeah, over time, the fan base has sort of turned on it. Okay. Or in, or in a couple of cases, so it's actually it's the opposite has happened. These movies were not well received, but now they've become looked on more favorably over time. Okay. So again, I don't have this organized in any particular way. This is I'm not ranking these or anything. But um, the first one I'm going to talk about, which is a perfect example of what I just mentioned, a movie that I don't think was very well received when it came out, um, but over the last say ten years or so has definitely I think that the favor has shifted on it. It's almost more like a cult classic now. Okay. Um. I mean, it's weird to call it cult classic because the title is very recognizable to a lot of people. But I think this was, I want to say this was 2006 or 2008. I want to say 06. I could be all looking up after. But uh, Michael Mann, great director. He created the Miami Vice TV show back in the 80s with Don Johnson. Uh, most people know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. But most people know the Miami Vice. It was a show before it was a movie. Blank stare. So Michael Mann, basically like, I guess 20 years later, I think, cause I think the show started in the late 80s. So let's say about 20 years after the show, um, he wanted to make a movie out of the, like having the same characters, different actors, obviously, because of the time difference. But mm. so he wanted to recreate the show and turn it into a movie. So he cast, um, he cast Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx in the roles of the, the two partners, the two friends on the show. Um, I know Crockett, Sonny Crockett's one of them. I, I feel like Tubbs is the other one. I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've seen the movie myself, to be mm-hmm. honest. But um, so people that obviously when the movie was released, people were really excited because like, oh, like Michael Mann, who created the show. And he, again, he was, you know, he's a very hot director at the time. He's just coming off doing Collateral, like mm, the Tom Cruise, yeah. Jr. Fox movie, as well as many other movies, fantastic movies he's made for the decade before that, you know, like um, like Heat and uh Last of the Mohicans and a couple of others, Manhunter. So I was actually really excited to see Miami Vice as well. I mean, I think so if 06, I would have been, well, yeah, no, I was fresh out of high just school. Just kind of just out of high school, yeah. But I remember like the trailer for this, people were really hyped for this trailer because I remember the trailer had like that, that's when they made that Linkin Park Jay Z mashup. Mm. You know, the. I love that album. Yeah. So that song was featured in the trailer, and the people like oh, really, the encore, the like the numb encore yeah. one. Oh my gosh, it's the so people were really hyped for this movie. So, anyways, I remember seeing the movie in theaters, and I remember after the movie was out, like I walked out of the theater being like, "It was, it was good, but it wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't. I maybe I had high citations coming off of Collateral because I, I really liked his other films as well. And you know, like I said, given the trailer and the cast, that was gonna be amazing. But it's just a little. It's really slow paced. Some of the. Um, some of the casting choices outside of like Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx were a little confusing to me. Like there was mm. like a love interest that felt kind of shoehorned in with uh, with Colin Farrell's character. But like I said, I I gave this and then I gave the film another chance. Maybe like four or five years after it came out, I watched it again. And I liked it better the second time. And then when I watched it a third time, I actually really started to be like, this actually might be a really good film, like a lot better than I gave it credit for. Um, and that and I I cannot remember. I want to give credit to I listened to a podcast years ago. 
I cannot remember the name of the podcast, but they did like a deep dive on the, the Miami Vice movie and like the behind the scenes. So there was some, you know, there's problems with some of the filmmaking. Because I think Michael Mann at the time, he wanted to get away from shooting on, on film. He wanted to shoot digital. Okay. And it wasn't, that wasn't being done a lot back then in the mid 2000s. Like he did it with collateral as well. And it kind of gives the film like that grainy look, especially when you're shooting night sequences. It can be really yes. dark and hard yeah. to see things, but that's, that's sort of his intention from a filmmaking perspective. But I know people complained about some of the action scenes in Miami Vice being really dark and hard to see. Mm. And, uh, but I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I really, the favor for me turned, this movie turned around for me a lot. And I actually, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it again in a few years, but I really should give it another rewatch. I think I did buy the Blu-ray some years ago with that entertainment. It's probably just sitting downstairs somewhere. I should pop it in. And I don't know, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon right now. I'm sure it probably is. Like I said, it's an older movie. It's, it's gotta be out there somewhere streaming, but if anyone's ever seen it before, you should give it a chance. It's a really good film, I think. Did you have any of the context of the TV show before you watched it? A little bit. Like, again, I knew the... I'd seen the show before, like, years prior, but I never watched it, like, you know, start to finish or anything. Um, you know, it's just about a couple of cops that, like... The 80s show glamorized... The 80s version of the show, I think, glamorized a lot more. Like, there'd be, like... Cause, you know, it's Miami, so there'd be, you know, a lot of, like, speedboat chases on the water yeah. and, like, night shootouts and, like, like, shootouts and nightclubs and stuff like that. Like, it was pretty... For its time, it was a really great TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, where and you know when, when the movie, the movie didn't try and just recreate the TV show. It did something different, but um, but I don't people know. didn't like it, and well, then yeah. they did. Exactly, it really, yeah, it really did turn around. And uh, I see like threads and discussions about it online all the time about like how remember this. It was it's like one of, good. It's, it's actually seen, seen as like one of his most underrated films, oh. like Michael Mann, because no one really talks about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one on the list, I guess you can. Well. Actually, I was, I was going to joke and say you can give a little bit of feedback on this since you've seen it, but you actually fell asleep during this movie, so maybe you didn't like it that much. <laughs> oh, there's, that could be actually a lot of movies. So, so next I want to talk about The Dark Knight Rises. I thought so, yeah. yeah. I assume this was a good to bad? Yes. Okay. I feel like this was really... Well, it, yes and no, because, I mean, obviously, like following up on The Dark Knight is going to be almost impossible. Yes. Like, there's a lot of expectations for this yeah. film, and it's a fortune that they Nolan had to change his vision yeah. based on what happened with Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he brought Bane into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and again, and I like what they did with Bane. I, I like Tom Hardy's performance. I mean, he definitely looked the part. He gained a lot of a lot of weight, a lot of muscle to put on for the part for that role. And uh, some people, you know, like to make fun of the voice. Um, it might be a little over the top, but it's definitely better than like, like they didn't try and go like 90s Bane, like in the old michael schumacher films like the ones from the oh i don't even know what you're talking about oh there was like the the main the main from the 90s movies with like george clooney and val kilmer he was just like he was like Drake, he looked like he did in the comics he was just like a huge like like a weightlifter almost like okay, a guy yeah. just a guy like in a, a wrestler big, like a wrestler in a big and like a, a tight like uh, tank top or something okay but you, you wouldn't you just see so the rock yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyways yeah they totally changed the character dynamic for that in the dark knight rises yes. and you know they brought catwoman into it as well too and oh, that, and that, i love catwoman yeah that role could also was also a little divisive just the way that they it's not Han, it's not anne hathaway's fault it's just the way the character was written wasn't that interesting oh to me. i'm sorry christopher nolan doesn't know how to write women yeah we I mean, know that's a problem but <laughs> uh but like I said, I um, like I really enjoyed the movie when it first came out. I, I saw it in theaters. I watched a couple times after that. But I think over time, definitely, yeah, the 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 it's the public reception of it has shifted, and people are like, it's, yeah, it's really not a good film. And like some people will will give Nolan a pass on it again because of like this wasn't the way yeah. he intended to finish the trilogy. But other people are just like, there's just way too many plot holes and bad script writing decisions and. 
even some of the action scenes in the film are just the, the film has its moments like it's still a really good it's again it's obviously it's no people love the climb out of the dun- the pit, the pit. Yeah. yes it, it is the weakest of the trilogy like oh I, for sure yeah. yeah like batman begins was awesome dark knight definitely peaked the yeah. dark knight was amazing dark knight rises is definitely a downgrade but but they're also good. But I would like. But I would still put Dark Knight Rises above like any of Zack Snyder's films. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's, we're not saying Dark Knight Rises no. is a bad film. It's just. But it gets a lot of hate on the yes. internet forums and stuff. I see people yeah. bagging on it all the time, and it's a shame. I mean, I don't think it's also how Christian Bale wanted to go out in his Batman run, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, next one here we have a well one of the highest grossing films of all time oh. so obviously it had to do something right but again i feel like the dynamic on this has shifted for a number of reasons over the years and that will be the, the cookie monster movie <laughs> what the cookie monster movie what are we talking about he's blue oh <laughs> uh so we're talking about avatar <laughs> um so when avatar came out in 2009 it's how long ago it was um i mean there's a reason it made over like two billion dollars, um, and that's that's with re-releases. I don't they didn't make two million on its initial run. They re-released it a couple more times in theaters because of the 3D and everything. But at its time, it was a technical. It still is a technical achievement. I mean, it's amazing. It's even if you watch the film today for the first time, it, it's an amazing looking film. Like the way James Cameron, all the technology he used. Like I've seen the behind the scenes stuff for this film. It's incredible. But um, I think that's what the, that's the thing though. So when the film came out, everybody was so amazed by the technical aspect, how great the film looked, the action scenes are really good and everything. But when you go back and reassess it and you realize how terrible the plot is, like how bare bones the character, like some of the acting is really bad, some of the script decisions. And the movie is basically, people say it's just like, it's a complete ripoff or a retread of like Pocahontas or mm. Dances with Wolves. Like so many films where you have like a character, you take him, you pluck a human out of his normal setting. You put him into a setting with natives or in this case, like aliens and he's supposed to fit in. And then all of a sudden he joins their side because he's, you know, falls in love with one of the tribe members. Mm. And then he, so there's, it's very cliche story in a lot of ways too. I could have told you that from the beginning though, as somebody who couldn't tell the technical Marvel of the movie, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just going by the plot alone I thought it was bad in the first place but besides the plot and story decision I think the reason why the public opinion has shifted on it too is the fact that like they're just now coming out with a sequel like this yeah. came out in 2009 like it, it's passed no one really cares anymore no it's gone and the people like I, I, think, I think it is officially supposed to come out this winter like, it was I delayed mean, a this lot, December. It? it's been delayed a couple of times yeah. but I think this December it's supposed to come out but again, people are just like, I, I, we're over it. We don't really care yeah. anymore. Because, like, I mean, the technical aspect, yeah, it's still going to look good, but it's not going to blow you away like it did no. 10 years, 12 years ago. And yeah, unless the script gets a huge overhaul, which I doubt it will, <laughs> then uh, yeah, I just I don't think people are very excited for it. But Pass. The next, next one on the list is a movie I'm very passionate about. I love this movie since the day I saw it. I feel the public uh, opinion is not the same as you then. Well, yes and no. I, again, I feel like this is a very divisive one where a lot of people watch it, they either don't get it I'm not trying to say it's like a super philosophical movie. Like it's, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's trying to be very, um, what's the word? Like the, the film is not trying to be existential. Well, no, it is kind of existential. That's a good word. That's not the word I was looking for. But anyways, before I belabor this point any longer, <laughs> I'm just going to say the movie uh, came out in 2006 and it's called The Fountain. Oh, you love The Fountain. I love The Fountain yes. so much. You talked about The Fountain many times on yes. the podcast. But, uh, and I get it. The first time I watched this film too, I didn't really get certain aspects of it. There's a lot of like philosophical and religious overtones in this film. Because mm. um, it's directed by Darren Aronofsky who loves doing stuff mm-hmm. like this. Like he's done Noah. He did Mother. Uh, yes, he does the best renditions of religion. Yeah, like Black Swan. Like even Requiem for a Dream has a lot of that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. it. So, but yeah, The Fountain, I, again, I think it's one of Hugh Jackman's best performances. 
I love the music in the movie. The visuals are amazing. Like for a movie that had a very small budget, I think it was only like 20 or 30 million budget, if I remember correctly. Um, and it, it, it did bomb, unfortunately, because I think it was a very hard film to market. <laughs> yes. Because uh, again, critics, I think either didn't get it or thought like, oh, this movie's trying to be too, you know, it's too full of itself. It's too being too deep. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, yeah, it, it's not a movie I want to like rewatch all the time because it's a very depressing film. And, uh, but like I said, I think it's, it's worth everybody watching at least once. But again, it's one of those films like I think I feel like you have to watch it twice. So the first time you watch it, you'll probably appreciate the visuals and the music and stuff like that stuff stands out on its own. But the story and some of the character elements don't really make sense to rewatch it a second time. You know what I mean? So. But what is the pub- like? Was this a movie that everybody hated and now they love? You know, yeah, like I think it's shifted towards like being a cult classic almost. Like I think a lot, especially now that some of Darren Aronofsky's other films haven't been as great since this. Uh, yes. I think people look back at this as being like his one of his better ones right the next on the list this one's kind of this is a, a fairly recent release too i think it only came out what five four or five years ago um but i want to talk about the revenant okay yeah a couple reasons so this is the men this is again this is all with leonardo dicaprio yes. and tom hardy and uh a wolf. the bear there's the a bear there's a bear <laughs> this is the scene where dicaprio gets mauled by a bear yes. yeah this is, and this is the kind of this kind of film that i feel like it hasn't been like out long enough to have a huge it hasn't like the opinion hasn't Shift. really swayed one way or another, but I feel like again, critics loved it when it came out. Public opinion, I think, was a little like I mean, it's a long film. Some parts of the film really do drag. It's I've a remake it. too, isn't it? It is a remake, um, but the film really is. Yeah, it's a character journey. Like you're with DiCaprio for like ninety percent of the film, um, and a lot of the film. I think what got some people is a lot of the film. He doesn't talk. So a lot of it is like silent introspection. It's a lot of just watching him in the wilderness, like learning how to survive after he gets attacked by the bear and whatever, mm-hmm. and then left for dead. But um, because the problem is like his throat gets slashed so bad and he has to bandage himself up. That's why he can't talk. Mm-hmm. And then eventually like- Did time- he just self-cauterize himself too and stuff? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's a lot of very visceral like wilderness stuff going on like with him healing himself and mm-hmm. how to survive like eating. Like at one point, what is it? Uh, he runs, he comes across a couple of natives- in in this, because uh, I, I can't remember exactly what time period it takes place, and is it like early eighteen hundreds or? I was gonna say that, yes, something like that. But it comes across like a native tribe, and they like they kill a, like a buffalo or something, and they kind of like feed him like a raw liver to eat. Ugh. And DiCaprio like actually ate it like for the film, like he ate like a piece of Ugh. raw animal organ. He would. <laughs> he would. He want that Oscar. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that gets me about this film too is, is so first time I watched the film, I went in. I went in everybody saying how amazing DiCaprio was. Like it's his role. It's his movie to steal. Like he's the lead. He's, he's the one you're with all the time. He carries the movie. Right. For some reason, the first time I watched it as much as I liked DiCaprio, I really do like him. For me, it was Tom Hardy. I who stole this so. movie. Yeah. And, and then and again, that's because Hardy had a lot more speaking. A lot, his role had a lot more. He was very, a lot more over the top in the, in the role. Like mm. he had a thick, like Southern accent, like a Texas accent almost. And, and he was, and he was, he was the, he was the bad guy of the film. So he got to really chew the scenery. Uh, where you know the character is obviously the hero he's the one who's loses his son in the early on in the film and then he has to kind of carry that with him the rest of the movie but um but I, but upon rewatches when i'd watch it i did really appreciate uh, character's performance a lot more because i think it is hard to get across as much as he did with his character without speaking that mm. takes a lot more talent and mm-hmm. i'm not that's not knocking his hardy i'm just saying he, he had the easier role to do in terms of having a lot more speaking or a lot, a lot more dialogue and uh, and his character being a little more interesting because of the dialogue where DiCaprio's character seemed a little one note the first time I watched it but then I realized there was a lot more depth there especially when you rewatch it and you 
you kind of fill in the blanks about his his history with his family and everything. Mm. So, but yeah, it is still it's a, again it's a film that I don't like to rewatch often because it's very long and there are a lot of parts where I'm kind of like okay, especially when you rewatch, like I know what's going to happen in this part. I don't need to watch 20 minutes of him walking through the woods. Like, I can kind of skip ahead here, mm-hmm. but you know, the film's made I think for like one or two viewings. You don't need yeah. to rewatch it a lot. It's not that kind of film. But. I remember this being like the hot stuff. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, there's a film. Yeah, the next one on the list I got. Um, you know I like the Mission Impossible films. What? Quite a bit. What? Um, You're already standing in line for the next one? <laughs> and uh, But of the series, I mean, there's been um, six films so far in the Mission Impossible series. They Out of those released. six films, I would say the one that is the most divisive among the fan base is number two. And there's many reasons for that, uh, especially because it was two was such a huge shift for number one. One was like pretty much exactly like the TV show from like the. There's a TV show. Come on, like, I don't know if it was 60s or 70s, but there was yeah there was based on a TV show before it was a movie. No way! I so, thought it was just like a Bond ripoff from the start. No, but so whereas the first one directed the first Mission Impossible, I think it was 95, directed by Brian De Palma. Like I said, it was very much like a classic like that sort of 70s, 80s spy thriller. Okay. Very slow paced, not a lot of action. Tom Cruise got, you know, it was his sort of like his starring role, right? He really broke out in the 90s part in, in small part because of this role. Other movies he did too, but Mission Impossible, uh, Mission Impossible really put him on Jerry the map. Maguire. That was after Mission Impossible. Oh, was it yes. really? Yeah. Leading, like, leading up to Mission Impossible, you know, he had done like um, uh, A Few Good Men was mm. the year before that. You know, he also did stuff. Well, he did a lot of stuff in the 80s, obviously, like Risky Business, uh, Cocktail, Top Gun, obviously, a huge one. But Days of Thunder. Uh, but yeah, Mission Impossible, I think, is going to put him on the map as an action hero, really, right? So Mission Impossible 2 is directed by John Woo, who's an Asian director who's very famous for doing, like, really over-the-top action movies. Like, a lot of stuff with, like, uh, Chow Yun-Fat in the 90s. He'd do stuff like Hard Boiled. It's like... Like super violent action films, okay. which would be a huge departure from what the first Mission Impossible was about, right? Yes. Like two was very over the top with like like in my opinion though I love two. Like, like two I think came out in two thousand, so it's over twenty years old now. But two had an amazing soundtrack. Um, I remember Limp Bizkit did the theme song for yeah. that one. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, so and also like whereas in the first Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise had like really short. Like, you know, your normal crew cut style hair. Yeah. Like in number two, he had like the, this was the Ethan Hunt doing his long hair thing for oh, the first time. Yeah. He had like the, almost like the shoulder length hair. Oh, oh no. Never yeah. mind. We're going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he brought that style back in a couple of other Mission Impossibles. Uh, but uh, it's just funny that, um, and again, like the, the villain was so over the top in number two, the action, the music, everything about, it. actually the music was fantastic. The music was Hans Zimmer. But yeah, two is uh, a lot of people say they hate two because it, it's a total departure. Like even it, like th- there hasn't been another Mission Impossible like two. Like with three, they kind of course corrected back to kind of like a hybrid hybrid between one and two. Number three was done by J.J. Abrams. Oh, and that was one that the had fixer. Fil- that was one that had Philip Seymour Hoffman as a villain. So that was a really good one. And four was the one when they had the crazy stunt reclimb the building. In, oh, uh, I keep I keep thinking that's always the newest one. <laughs> yeah, no. Because that's like the only the, one the, I've like, watched. And then the last two ones, like five and six, have both been, and, and the new one's coming out too. They're all done by the same director, Christopher McQuarrie, who also right. worked with Tom Cruise on um, like on Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I just, but Mission Impossible 2 is sort of like the black sheep of the franchise, but I still love it. And I think a lot of people do too. It's, it's one of those classic, like whenever it's on TV, you got to throw it on and, and watch it. It's just so over the top. Did, so did people hate it when it came out or people hate it like afterwards? Both. Like people, yeah, people were really shocked when it, when it came out. And because like I said, it was so different from the yeah. first one. 
Um, but again, over the time, where since there's been so many other Mission Impossible movies since then, people would like just some of the more recent Mission Impossible films, as good as they are, they take themselves very seriously, right? Like, yes. There's not a lot of room for silly stunts and crazy, uh, like, <laughs> just it's, I think of the scene in number two, it's amazing when Tom Cruise is like, it's towards the end of the film when he's trying to like sneak into the bad guy's lair to steal something. And like, he just he throws a grenade at this door where the people are having a meeting and the door blows up and the, the guards fly back in slow motion, you know, typical like, John Woo cinema and then as like Tom, uh, the bad guy is just like watching the doorway with the flames and Tom Cruise walks into frame in the door he walks slow motion through the doorway yeah. just like staring him down as the Hans Zimmer music builds and then of course the doves are flying into the camera what, the, what wait John, why doves no John Woo loves doves it's just a thing it's a thing what, in his films what is that game <laughs> oh I'm thinking of Stranglehold yeah yeah, that was John Woo. Yeah. No way. Exactly. I did it. And you see like the flames reflecting off the bad guy's eyes. Yeah. It's just such a good, stupid scene. I love it so much. <laughs> I want to watch a movie. Yeah, I wish Freebird would have sang or was it would have been sung right there. Yeah. Uh next we got um this one again is another one that's like it's a dumb nineties action film that I feel like it's very people are fifty fifty on it. Either you love it, you embrace it for how dumb it is, or you just think like it's too mm-hmm. dumb and I'm not going to watch it. But for me, one of the best 90s action films is Con Air. Oh. Yeah. I love it for a number of reasons. I mean, it has an amazing cast. Like, not even not even mentioning, like, you know, you got, uh, we got Nicolas Cage, uh, John Malkovich, John Cusack, and then you got all the bad guys. You know, you got Steve Buscemi and Ving Rhames, uh, Danny Trejo, like all these classic villains just hamming it up in this film. But uh, it's funny because Nicolas Cage had that great three three movie run back to back to back in the 90s he did uh face off the rock and con air and the funny thing is face off and con air actually were released in the same month were they really in 1997 so yeah that two months of insane nicholas cage movies <laughs> and very different because face off was like him being both crazy and restrained well because that's based on the plot he's yes. doing a dual character thing and con air is just over the top because you got he's got the long hair oh, he's yeah. wearing the must he's wearing the tank tank top the yeah. whole film with the he got jacked for that movie he got in really good shape um, but then, and then like the Southern accent and it's just, it's so good. It's just such a dumb action film. And I think it still holds up pretty well considering it's like 25 years old too. The action scenes are still good. Um, it's a, it's a, the film is paced fantastically. Like, there's no downtime in this film, no filler. It's all go, go, go from the start. I love it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people just, you know, when they look back on nineties action films, you talk about that one. Some people are just like, ah, that one's just too much for me. It's, it's too over the top. The next film here, uh, another older one, it came out in 95. Um, and it's still today, today is probably seen as one of the best video game movies of all time. And I'm going to say it's Mortal Kombat. Oh, the because, theme song is well, the, the theme, or the theme, <laughs> but no, honestly, no, like the, the action scenes still hold up really well. A couple of them anyways. The CGI is obviously dated by today's, like it wasn't a huge budget film back then. Yeah. But some of the action scenes are so great. Like I said, the music is fantastic. The casting was spot on. Like they got, if you played the games back then, the casting was great. Like as compared to like the new Mortal Kombat reboots they tried to do, the casting is not when Not was the good. newest one? When was the newest one? Yeah. Came out last year. Last year, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I think like, and it's unfortunate they made a terrible sequel to it like two years later. It was like a straight-to-DVD garbage Mortal Kombat film where only a couple of the cast members returned. But yeah. I still think the original 90... And it's funny too because the director who did the original Mortal Kombat, Paul W. Anderson, um, he went on to do all the Resident Evil films with Mila Jovovich. Oh. Yeah. So he likes doing the video game movies. But I feel like I think Mortal Kombat was one of his first movies that he did. So you can tell he was like a little more 
he didn't go too over the top with it. Like he stayed true to the source material, mm. and um, he took like a lot of care with the action. Like the ed- action scenes weren't edited like crazy, like the Resident Evil films. Well, then wait, what he did, Monster Hunter Two. He also did Where Monster he Hunter. He literally yeah. just took the source material and threw it in the garbage. Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> he, uh, good thing he's not making video game movies anymore. Uh, the next film on the list, though, <laughs> we just talked about this earlier before we came on, uh, Batman Forever. What's wrong with Batman Forever? It's the best one. It's very divisive whereas i think everybody agreed everybody hates batman and robin that was the one with george clooney and arnold schwarzenegger oh yeah that was not good that was a bad one that was really bad like i don't think anybody like unless you're just watching literally to make fun of the film like if you're gonna get drunk and watch a dumb movie then you watch sure watch batman and robin but batman forever when it first came out i loved it um i would watch the crap out of batman forever for a number of reasons well i I, (laughs) I was gonna say did you watch it for nicole kidman for many reasons if you were if you were like a teenager yes you watched it for nicole kidman um but i love jim carrey he was my favorite yeah i mean that was peak jim carrey in his 90s you had that i still remember the remember the the song from the movie the seal song yes (laughs) yes that song was everywhere yes so good and honestly like i whereas it was a hard role for val kilmer to do because he was coming off like michael keaton and did the other two Batman films before him, so he was obviously a different Batman. His 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 Val Kilmer's Batman is very different from Michael Keaton, so I think a lot of people gave him crap for it. But then he almost got redeemed when George Clooney's came out after that, and everybody hated Clooney's <laughs> role. So it was like, oh, maybe Val Kilmer wasn't that bad. Retroactively good, yeah. But like, no, yeah, Jim Carrey hamming it up. Even Tommy Lee Jones was hamming it up as Two Face. Like I'm almost uh, every every movie since then. I've wanted mm-hmm. the Riddler to come back. And now that it is, I'm almost disappointed that it's not like a Jim Carrey version. Yeah. I'm very curious though what they do now. But no, I think like I think Batman Forever did just enough. It had just enough camp to balance out the seriousness of some of the material. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. whereas Batman and Robin just went full camp, like it went way too over the top. Yeah. Um, we had to course correct with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it says something that I think Batman and Robin came out in '96. And it was received so badly that it basically killed Batman for almost a decade until Batman yeah. Begins came out in 2005. That's how long there was. Like, you'll never see that long of a period between Batman films ever again, mm. like, based on where the character's at now. But yeah. Uh, and the last one I want to talk about, another, you think a lot of 90s movies on this list now I think about. I mean, I just kept, I think about what I watched when I was like a, like a preteen or teenager. Uh, but the next one here, this movie I feel like has not held up as well. This is one that's definitely regressed, I think, but I did enjoy it when it first came out. It's Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. When I roll into the why do we have iconic West. themes too? Eh? I feel like that's a that's another unintentional thing I have this list here. But yeah, like this was like Will Smith in his prime yes, in the nineties prime. Love that movie. Um, <laughs> when it came out, I haven't watched it. Since. The, like the plot was so ridiculous. Like you had you know I remember the spider the robot giant metal at the end. spider robot. Yes, you had that. I still remember that one action sequence. You remember where uh, I don't remember the characters' names, but you had Will Smith and Kevin Klein's characters. They were stuck in like this ma- like a, a what do you call it like a corn maze and had these things around their neck. And the bad guy would throw a huge blade. There was like magnets. They had magnets around their neck. Oh my sequence? gosh! I don't. Yeah. But this sounds horrible. Yeah, I can specifically remember that that sequence in the movie. But I don't remember anything else about the movie. I haven't oh, seen. I haven't seen it in probably like ten years. But yeah, I feel like for a number of reasons the movie just wouldn't hold up as well nowadays. But back in the late nineties, it was it was awesome. Yeah. I sang that <laughs> theme song so often. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my list of ten. Uh, let's call them divisive films that either can either be good or bad um i think a lot of those movies still hold up today some of them have regressed for reasons i've already mentioned uh, but i think a lot of them you could still 
either appreciate more now than you did back then or even just say like yeah like for a movie that's 20 30 years old it still holds up pretty well but some people disagree these movies are talked about i see these movies mentioned a lot on like online forums and other discussions why i mention them because they're always talked about people are always you know I watched it for the first time yeah, it was like, great if you have, like, no a, it's garbage you have a new demographic like, you have people that are obviously like a younger generation getting into these 90s films now and they're like oh you guys how'd you guys like this stuff this was terrible and everybody's like no this was awesome like, this was how the 90s were you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. All you Gen Zers or right. whatever. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my list of those ten polarizing films. So I guess if we're gonna throw a topic out for the email this week, we can uh, ask our listeners what are some other films that I didn't mention, or if I did mention, you just want to comment on them that you found very divisive, or movies that you either um, have a hard time returning to watching years later, or movies you've gained more of appreciation for over the years just because I don't know, maybe your tastes have changed, or you've mm. just matured more than when you were younger and you watched something you didn't get it i don't know like yeah give us your give us your thoughts at uh what's the email sir when opposites react at gmail.com there we go all righty well that'll wrap up this episode i realize it's ran a little longer than i thought so i got some editing to do tonight edit out all my i i can't tell how many times she's gonna edit it out but just so you know many times when i was mentioning nicholas cage earlier i kept wanting to say tom cruise <laughs> i said it like five times i kept saying tom cruise instead of nicholas cage so she has to go edit all that crap out now yeah. but um yeah that's why i'm producer that's why you're awesome <laughs> oh i got an awesome Woo. yeah upvote all right well again we uh we appreciate everybody's support as always we'd love to hear from you please feel free to drop us an email anytime and uh, I guess if we're following the schedule here, the next week we're going to talk about video games. The video games. Um, I don't have a teaser for you this week, unfortunately. I, I haven't thought that Guess far I'll ahead. think about it next Tuesday. Yeah. Well, well maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back same time next week. Boys. Bye. <laughs>